Hello, lad. Hi, Kev. How are you, mate? You all right? Good, mate. Thank you. How are you? Hi, Kev. You all right? I'm good. Hello, mate. You all right? I'm very well. How are you? This is Sean. Um, this is Sean over the academy with. I know who he is, lad. Take your hat off. Let's see you there. Hey, wait till you see it, Kev. It's like Ben. <laughs> it's like a bald eagle. Are you growing it? Well, as, as much as it allows me to grow it, mate. <laughs> I'll keep the hat on for now, mate. I'll keep the hat on for now. Are you going to grow yours back or not? I can't hear you there, lads. Can you hear me now? You are? Can you hear me now or not? Have you got you your are? headphones, Tomo? You did echoey, echoey, <laughs> echoey, echoey. Uh, <laughs> you, two, you two are going to be a hoot on this, aren't you? <laughs> Can you hear me now, yeah? Yeah, it's better. <laughs> <laughs> Take that fake nose off, Kevin, and we'll start. <laughs> How's it down there, mate? It's all right, you know, mate. Good set of lads, isn't that? You know what I mean? Good, yeah, yeah. Good little. It's not a bad set. Do you know when, like, I'm thinking because I've never been down here. That's like twenty years behind, like the town and stuff and that. But as a whole, like the whole little setup, the club and that, it's a nice little run club. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Decent. Well, he's been so, for a while, hasn't he? Yeah, that's what. But um, I didn't really want to come, guys. But he hasn't had like. At the time, I, mean, I, had like, I had like two full-time non-league offers and little bits of like conference notes on all right money. So I was going to get a job. And then they just like said, will you come down and train? Said like, it's not a trial, just see if you're fit. And I was like, yeah, I'll come down. Just thought, why not give it a blast, lad? League football, mate, isn't it? And the yeah, Dolan's there and all, isn't he? He's a good lad, isn't he? Yeah, he's sound and he's a good player as well. He's been playing centre-half, though. Has he? Yeah, he's playing centre-half because we've been playing like... I got injured pre-season, so we're playing like a 3-5-2 when he plays centre. And we just total soccer, mate. But I just don't know how it's going to work when the pitcher gets... Because this pitch here, the rugby star's on it now. And it's, the one he plays oh, one it? game on it yeah. already and it's ruined, mate. Yeah, I so, remember... I always remember going down there with him. Because like, you're going to have to have a change of plan because all the teams are on us now. They're just playing high and pressing us. So I don't know how it's going to um, work, do you know what I mean? When the weather starts turning the pitches up and that. Yeah, I suppose. Like you say, though, mate, you just got to ride the momentum, haven't you, and just carry on exactly, going. Exactly, yeah. Just keep we're going, doing mate. all right. Yeah, it's good. It's good, mate. I'm buzzing to get your first goal, yeah? Yeah, made up, mate. Made it's, always, up. it's always nice when you go into a new club, isn't it, when you get your, when you get your first goal. Especially a winner. scenes as well. Especially, especially, um, especially a winning goal, mate. Three points. Decent, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because, as I say, I was injured, weren't I? For, I was injured for seven or eight weeks. Come back ready to train and then one of the lads come down and he tested positive for COVID when he was down here and I had a coffee with him he stayed with us because it was Tom Brewer and um, I had to go home and isolate then even though I never had the virus do you know what I mean so I missed another two weeks before it was like 10-11 weeks before I actually put a kit on it's mad isn't it oh, you did Tomo didn't you with, with the with the kind of government last month of the lockdown you were out coaching for a week and the t two weeks before that you were locked down weren't you because your missus was missus got COVID and I never had any symptoms or anything but be because I, I live we live together I had to isolate for two weeks no no yeah, symptoms yeah. or anything it's just rubbish mate it's just it's just so stop starting it yeah definitely that's what it's I'd have better had the COVID because I'd have been back in 10 days yeah if you've got it you, you, you're less it was weird and so it's like coming mm. back and then obviously you say 
was just a slow start for me, do you know what I mean? And obviously I've been subbing, just coming on here and there, getting a few minutes here and there, and then unusing some games. And then, as you say, coming on, um, poor fail. It was good, like, get me first goal. Just takes a bit of pressure off you as well, doesn't it? Of course it does, like you you want to hit the ground running, don't you, at a new club? Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean, hit the ground running, and then I was like 10, 11 weeks before he actually put a kit on, so then you're playing catch-up, because I've never had a, I haven't had a proper pre-season. And then, Did you ever, any, but, any part of you go, why have, why have I made the move or not? Um, not really. I think, obviously, as you do when you're injured, you get a bit, bit down, don't you, and a bit peed off type thing, but... Um, I've just seen it as a fresh challenge in that and I wanted to stay full-time. So it was like, yeah, well, this has happened for a reason. So um, just get on with it, get yourself back fit and see what you can do. I suppose as well, you became a little bit disillusioned, didn't you, at Morecambe, with under the new regime and stuff. I'm not going to, I don't want to go too deep into it because you, everyone has their own ups and downs with managers and stuff, but you weren't really playing, were you? And I know from no. sharing a change room with you, you're not the quietest of people. You are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I know. I, um, I can speak out now. I got asked a few questions over the summer, but um, it boils down to basically a new manager come in, didn't like me and Baz, um, tried to isolate me a little bit, put me in the gym away from the lads. He said it was for other reasons and asked to take from that. But yeah, I used to go on the grass for the last nine years with Jim and Kenny and there he was, wouldn't let other part, other staff members take me on the grass. So um, it was a bit frustrating, a bit. It wasn't more disappointing than anything because I give the club everything I thought I could, and I done everything on and off the field there, as I say. And um, just to be treated the way I think I got treated in the end, they they say that there's a different way about it, but I'll say they they tried to sack me for tweets because I was training alone and I volleyed the ball away and you're not allowed to by PFA rules to be trained on your own for health and safety reasons and no, no. I was about to go in with the PFA before the lockdown and we was sorting it out because he was threatening me with the sack unless I come out with a statement to say sorry to the manager but I'm not going to say sorry to the manager when he's treating me the way he was and then I'll be looking for a club in the summer and people will go oh Kevin Ellison he's put all this on social media and looks a trouble causer because he's gone back between the tail between his legs and had to say sorry. Um, that weren't the case, so I told them, well, sack me. And we were meant to be going in with the PFA and next thing, um, Boris shut us all down, so we never, ever got to the bottom of it. It's interesting, mainly it? Because obviously I was at Morecambe a long time, like yourself, 11 and a half years, and mine ended pretty similar, didn't it? In terms of, yeah. remember when Colchester away and I was packing my boots into the bag and all the boys, all you lot were like, why are you doing that? I, was like, I haven't got a contract, and that was it. I didn't see you all again. Yeah, I've no, it's, I've seen you once. It's since mad, mate. You don't like for what you did for the football club. You obviously got them back into the football league. You played a part in that, so you built a base and a foundation there for the new ground and everything. So, from me, not just being similar age to you, and obviously admire you for all what you've done and what type of pro you was. It was. There's, there's ways of going about it and I don't think it's not even like people go oh you're bitter and that it's not about being bitter it's about disappointment bitter and disappointment are totally two different things and mm. if you ask me I'm disappointed in how they treated you I'm disappointed in what they did to me because as you say we've not given our all for the football club but yeah as you say after that Colchester game that was you gone and never really spoke about the game afterwards and then to the way they basically treated me 
I think is very unfair. And as I say, I get down to it and I look now and things happen for a reason. I'm not bitter. I'm just disappointed in how the manager and people behind him tried to back him when they real really knew it weren't true. When you they were looking at it, they were trying to when he had the meeting, they were trying to tell me that training was still the same under the regime as it was under Jim and Kenny. And well, Jim and Kenny didn't have me in the gym every day. There's that yeah, part so, of it. There must be that part of it as well, Kev, where you're what you've done for the club over so many years as well. You want to you want a decent send off by the fans, and I'm sure the fans want to give you a decent bit, which was taken away from you by you know a new gaffer coming in effectively. Yeah, well, as I say, Sean, um, when I was tweeting things, I got like it was 50 50 regarding obviously people sticking up for me and fans there saying basically, well, yeah, you're finished in a way, but they didn't know the whole story, do you know what I mean? No, no, and that's what the point of it was. And, um, as you say, it's just it would have been nice to have a little send off, but we've got them in a couple of weeks and hopefully I'm involved. and I'm oh. open one thing or another because I will be in the away dugout with my top off and Tom will know. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to shell out, mate, won't you, in the, in the oh, dugout, I'll have, <laughs> I'll have the big back out, mate. If that, could, if that happened, mate, the big back will be oh, out. Mate. You know what, it'd be kind of, it's like that, isn't it? I mean, if I was ever to go back, I'd, I'd feel a bit the same, do you know what I mean? And it's a club yeah, that's like that's close, a... it's a club that I've grown up with and like you say, you, you have history and you know you make friends and you feel like you, you're part of the furniture and all that kind of stuff and then all of a sudden it's just gone like I didn't get a chance to say bye to you guys other than me leaving you guys getting off the bus at Liverpool that was last time I seen you up yeah. until I went back was it January this year so a good year after I left and I was like that's no way to leave a football club especially one that yeah, kind of one regard that you- as your home team yeah, your home team and you, one you've done well for and one you've laid foundations mm. for, do you know what I mean? It's like, but as you say, it, it does happen in football and I think the more I got my head around, because as I say, when the, the way the, you ended your association with the football club and probably me being in a better place and understanding that, well, whatever they think of you, you're, just, you're a piece of meat, mate. They'll just get rid of you. Basically, if they think they can get someone else in who's as good or going to do your job, they will do that and as you say it's it, it is it becomes as Sean was saying there it's like it would have been nice to get a little send off just for not for me ego because I don't believe in the ego stuff it's just as an appreciation as a, as a farewell as a farewell yeah, yeah as like... an appreciation and farewell of thanks what you've done for the club if the club had come to me in January and sort of said listen we've got a new manager in um, you're not going to be part of his plans go and find the club I'd have snapped their hands off because they've been in a better place in January to find a club than I was in lockdown. So if they'd have been just said openly, I'd have gone, yeah. And then if I did play against them in the future and I did score, I probably wouldn't have celebrated. But now, if it goes that way and things do happen, even if we do win, you know what I'm going to be like. I'm going to be, I'm going to be there, so many people and that. That's what it's going to be about. Was that a little factor as to why he went back to Newport? Just because the off chance that you get to play Morecambe twice or not? Yeah, I think I think that's it. I thought when I first looked at the fixtures come, I thought, well, there's two nice fixtures straight away, Morecambe all the way. But the sad thing is they might not be fans in, so um, yeah. they might not be see there to get Michelle out. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but, um, you only perform when you're getting a bit never, of stick though, mate. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But as I say, it is two of the fixtures that are looked home and away straight away just to and hoping that certain people are still there who can have a little cheer, but you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. 
I know exactly who you mean, mate. I know exactly who you mean. But I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're uh, all settled down, mate, anyway, and you're looking forward to a good game at the weekend. Um, so what we've been doing is, um, the reason I got in touch with you to speak to you is obviously our academy boys, young boys and girls, should I say, sorry. Um, yeah. We're just starting out their football journeys. Um, you know, the, like you, I don't know, whether, I don't know about yourself in terms of growing up. Um, you know, um, opportunities and things like that when you're playing grassroots football. You know, to step into that academy kind of football. Um, we're just trying to, we just want people's stories, really. You know, because I imagine my story is completely different to yours as it was to Sean's, um, and all that kind of stuff. So we just wanted to have a little talk to you about your um, your football journey, really, and and how you found yourself where you are now. Probably sat in a house in Newport somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> sat in a house in Newport with two of the lads and Jamie Devitt and Ryan Taylor. But um, yeah, I think football journey started out playing Sunday League. You look at what you're doing now for your local community and that, I think it's unbelievable. I don't think um, when I grew up that way and about, you know what I mean? I probably wouldn't have left an AstroTurf back then if, if all the facilities and the stuff you put on for the kids and the opportunities you give them to play for you and Obviously, um, with with a links to fo- professional football clubs, you know what I mean. So, for what you're doing, it's unbelievable. And for me, I started out Sunday league, which is just like training once a week and go and play on a Sunday, and that was it. Um, what age was that? Kind of, what what age were you? Was, kind of... See, Sean, I was probably I think it was eight or, eight or nine. When I look back now, when I started my first football team, and you look at some of the kids nowadays and. When you go to academies as such, and how young they are, and yeah, and people say, "How oh, are you taking the fun out of it?" But you're not, because they're learning to caress and love a ball more, aren't they? I wish I could have. I wish I could have gone at younger ages. But as you say, when you look at it now in hindsight, I probably maybe wouldn't have played professional football if I was in there. I'd probably paid myself out. But <laughs> um, you look at it and think like what yourselves are doing, and obviously other people for communities, and I think it's brilliant. And as you say, I think. As eight or nine, when I first started playing for me, a local Sunday team, and then um, schools, school team at nine, ten, and then lucky enough to represent Liverpool for Liverpool for the schoolboys on the elevens. Yeah. So was was that so? Uh, so you're obviously doing well there. Was the academy sniffing round? As in, obviously there'll be Liverpool, Everton. Yeah, no, to be to be fair, if you want to do my fair share of every one of them, I've had more clubs than Tiger Woods, mate. I yeah. think, mate, you know what I mean? But, um, For our I, relationship I going to, forward, Kev, I need to know if you're a red or a blue before. Me, I'm Man U fan, mate. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was a Liverpool fan until they got rid of me when I was 15, and I never just like, it's not that I turned bitter against them, I just got, I was heartbroken, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. then I just become. Like a neutral, I always want the underdogs to win. So it's Everton. So if Liverpool plays someone, I want Liverpool to play to win. If Liverpool play Everton, I want Everton to win because they're the underdogs. Do you know what I mean? That's the way it is. And my dad's side was all Liverpoolians, and my mum's side were all Evertonians. So I was just sat on the fence, really. But growing up, as I say, I went to Liverpool at the age of nine and Everton. I had the chance to to. Lucky enough to have trials at the both of them and ended up signing choosing and Liverpool and stayed there for eight years or so, yeah. just before schoolboy forms back then. And um, as I say, back then it was a centre of excellence. It wasn't academies like it is now. And 
I got a letter through the post one morning on the way to school. The let postman come. My mum's like, this from Liverpool, you best open it. So I opened it just before I set on my way to school. And it was a letter to say, basically, thanks for all your efforts for the last eight or nine years. Um, no way. We're going to release you. That's the way it was. And that's what, like, made me heartbroken. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I want yeah. to be a professional footballer. And me being 15, then I'm thinking, there's me, there's me chances gone. Did you see? Did you I see was, a, I was the same, Kev. I was the same, Kev. I was at, I was at Preston, sixteen. I was just before you went into the YTSs, and I got. Yeah. I was I was there from thirteen, so what three, four years, and um, I don't know about you and what you felt like, but I cried all the way home. Same as I you. Was, I was Heart sobbing broken. on the way to school. My mum was like, "You know all right, lads?" I was like, "Yeah, mum, all right." But I went to school and cried, and um, I'll never forget that moment of actually opening the letter because, as I say, I was there for. Eight or nine years, maybe eight years. Under sixteen, just so eight years, say, and it's a long time. And then all of a sudden, it's like the last year or so. You got a sense of saying stuff because there was lads from different areas coming then, and it weren't so much there was foreign lads back then the way it is now. The foreign lads mm. come over. It was more lads from out of the area and from other places around the UK. Do you know what I mean? So it it was tough to take, to be honest. And um, as I say, it was. Did you ever feel about? Did you ever think about stopping and quitting at that moment in time? Because it crossed, no, my, it crossed my mind. It crossed my mind because I, I just went. I don't, you probably have a small community of friends in Liverpool where you live. I felt like I'd let everyone down. I didn't, you know, some of it. I think it spared me on a anything because I, my mum hmm. and my dad. My mum was my biggest influence. I'd say because she used to push me. It like went so much. My dad. It was more my mum, and um. She was like, I knew, like I'd played schoolboys with most of these lads, and some of them weren't even in the schoolboys, but then gone, gone and got a YTS at like at Liverpool, and you're like, like Shelley, do you remember Shelley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, he, he played Sunday league against me, never played schoolboys and not with me, and then all of a sudden, really? under 16s, ends up just doing a YTS, and you're like, he's just come out the blue there. Where's he been? He, he couldn't even get in the school team, and then all of a sudden, it's like. Wow, he's gonna sign YTS at Liverpool, and when I look at it now, it's I, I wasn't looking at it if to say like, ah, oh, that's me done and give up. It was my mum pushed me, and she, as parents do, she pushed me to say like, well, you're not better than these lads, so don't give up. Do you know what I mean? Just mm. keep going. Something will come. Something will come. Don't worry. Just keep playing. And maybe that's probably why I can't continue. To, if she weren't there and didn't push me as much. Maybe I would have gone down a different route and who knows where I would have ended up being a scout's probably in prison, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did got you... bad in prison, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so when you came when you came out of that, did you just go and play kind of with your mates, Kev? Because obviously that was Sean, 15. To... In... Yeah, just under 16s probably it was. So I went and trialled at a few places and um, Trammy as I went back to Everton. And stuff like that, and it was like, no, you're just as good as what we've got here. But these have got a background of being here, like yeah. myself, probably was at, at Liverpool for eight or nine years. So they're going to stick with them. So they were the answers to get. Then the next thing, I'm writing letters to football clubs, Blackpools, Port Vale's, Crews, asking for trials, and nothing ever come of it. So um, I ended up staying on school for another year in sixth form and doing a few resits because I weren't the brightest of kids because. I put everything into my football and thought I was going to be a professional footballer, not realising then that education is probably 
the main part of which I should have concentrated on. And if I could tell anybody some advice now, it'd be like, yeah, concentrate on your education as as long as you you playing football as well. Do you know what I mean? Alongside, but your education's more important. And um, so as I say, I stayed on school and um, done a few resets and just started playing Sunday league and a bit of ends up getting picked up from like a man's Sunday league team to play some part-time football for, um, who was it then? Southport youth team, had a little game for them, played a few games in the conference for them under Ronnie Moore. Yeah. Decent. And then obviously um, played three games in a week and they gave me £25, which wasn't, it cost me more in petrol to get up there, but it was more, I had a chance and then um, Chorley come knocking and I was guaranteed to play a Chorley who was in the, I think it was like the Unibonds League One or something yeah. then back then. So um, I ended up signing for Chorley and playing for Chorley for a bit. Just to get back into that football kind of feel, because I know when I left, I just played, I played locally and then I played at the college. Like what you were saying, I, I wasn't really that gifted at school. Um, I'll say gifted. I didn't have the determination and the same work process as, as I did, or the hard work process I did as a footballer. Because I didn't want to do it. I knew I wanted yeah. to be a footballer. And like I've said it to I've said it and we did a podcast last week. And I'm like, I just wish I'd had that you know, gone down that route and looked at education earlier than what I did. Now, luckily for me, I was fortunate to to have a bit, you know, a long, a long career. But you don't get that long career. That 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 15, that rejection at Liverpool, or 16, the rejection at Preston, you could be 21, 22, and you could get a serious injury and you you won't be able to play again. Yeah, and then finish and then where do you go? Yeah, do you know what I mean? So it can just change like that. Um, yeah, well, that's why I would say to obviously the younger generation coming through now, concentrate on your education. And know as much as you you want to play football and you want to be a footballer for the certain amount of kids, how many are going to actually make it? Which mm. is it's a small proportion. But as I say, I used to just come in on the way to school, and on the way to school, I'd be copying my mates' own work and that, what they did, because I'd been out the night before just with a football at my feet and, do you know what I mean? I went out, like, yeah. being a thug or a, a little rug rat, like, drinking and smoking. I was out just playing football continuously. So, um, then I'd obviously come in the next day and just copy my mates' own work. And, as you say, I come to the school, I never really concentrate on it. Was it bright enough? I don't know, because I never challenged myself enough because I was just football, football, football. Scary, isn't it? Scary, I have that ob obsession. Did you see it coming, Kev? You know, the, the Liverpool, did you see it coming? We, uh, we uh, obviously, it's you getting down to that time where they've got to start making decisions, but was it totally out of the blue or did you heard rumours or... You know no, I, I mean? when it was back then, it's because it, it was it was a centre of excellence. You didn't see them every night, so you'd, you'd train like twice a week and then... You wouldn't have, like, you didn't have games back then on the Saturdays or the Sundays. It was always like you might have had a little game through the week against the local, like, nosy yes. schools or Southport schools or something like that. It was, um, it was never like that. So I didn't really see it coming because back then I was left sided, like, left wing. And when I think back now, there was no other left wingers there. So I'm half thinking I've got a chance because there was no, no other one really for my position where when they used to bring the odd trialist in and that, it was always like centre mid or centre forward and that. There was never anyone to give me a bit of competition for my side. So I thought I'd be like quids in because 
back then, Steve Highway and that, I thought the way they used to speak to my parents and myself, that they thought a bit a bit of me, if you get me. Yeah. 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 So, so you went to Southport and Charlie at a gate. Wait. Who did you who were you at between Charlie and Altrincham? I played in the League of Wales for Conway United. Conway United. It was like the, it was like the car robbers eleven, mate. It was just scousers <laughs> in the League of Wales who were officiated with a football club and a tracksuit on. But um, it was good. I enjoyed it. I I um, I went obviously with Charlie. I was playing like on a Saturday for Charlie, and then I go and play for me uncle's team in the a men's team in the local Sunday leagues, which was. A good standard, some good players there, do you know what I mean? But I was a kid playing and obviously used to get kicked and volleys everywhere and stuff like that. But then... But have you been there, 18, 19-ish? Yeah, a little bit younger, yes, I was 17s. And I was, like, playing um, when I was still in school on a Sunday for the men's team and then in and out, do you know what I mean? So it was like there was a gap from, like, 16 to probably 19s that I was playing men's football on, like, pub football it is. Um... And then the opportunity come to come to Conway United in the League of Wales back then. Um, they're not in the League of Wales now, they're in the, the division lower. Um, they folded a few years ago, but back up and running now. But um, I went there and um, it was a bit bit mad. I ended up playing left wing back there. And it was it was strange, but he enjoyed it. He was a good lad there. It was and it was it was for me, because I've been out of like around a professional football club. For me to be back there and playing regular, it was it was as good as professional as can be part-time. It was all like the tracksuits, the pre-matches and stuff like that. We're talking what? 99, yeah, 2000. Yeah, yeah. So you're going back a while and it was there was teams in that league then who were paying massive and there was the Barry Town and two other teams were full-time and when they come to our place, they would have their own cars with all their writing on and I'm looking thinking, this is, a, this is what a footballer should be like, do you know what I mean? That's what I was thinking back then. But um, there was good times there. I enjoyed it. And, um, stayed for the season. Played in the Welsh Cup against Cardiff and all that in the final on telly. It was good. And then I got a move to Altringham, who just been recently promoted to the conference back then. And how long were you? You were there for two years, was it, Altringham? Two seasons, yeah. I played the first season in the conference. Um, against Morecambe and that as well, Drummy and that. Um, played against them and we got relegated that year. We were like one of a few part-time teams because I think a full, full-time full team started kicking in then and there was a couple in the conference and we was a part-time team in Manchester and um, we went down but I had a good season. I played left mid, scored 14 league goals and I think got 16 altogether or something like that. So, from left mid and thing. He was for your first level um, year at that level as well. Yeah, I um, I think it was one of those where everything was just thinking was going in. Do you know what I mean? And then there was talk of clubs coming to watch me and this and that. And I think that affected me in a bit of a way when like not not that I was looking to move on. It was just he was putting back then when I look at it now, I was getting pressure put on me by certain people around, not family members, but at the football club and such. Uh, these are coming and you got to do this today. you got to make sure you do this. And so next thing you know... And a transfer fee. Yeah, they're just getting... thinking of money, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is understandable for a non-league club. But then I went on, as I say, got 14 league goals, 16 altogether or something. And then we got relegated and I ended up staying the next season because 
the clubs that were interested, I think, were getting priced out of um, buying me, really. So I started the season in the Unibond Prem, it was back then, which is the conference north now. Yeah. Um, started off all right, and then I remember um, playing Droylston and warming up, and after the warm-up um, game kicked off, a couple of minutes into the game, I jumped up, landed on my knee, and done like um, partial damage to my cruciate back then, which I was like, I didn't know at the time. I just got on my knee, it's swollen. Next thing I was out for five, four or five months because it weren't as bad. I didn't need an operation. I just got a clean little clean out and not on sewn or that. So, um, but while I was out, I didn't know there was Leicester, West Ham and Leeds were watching me that day. And, um, when I got back fit, Leicester had been the club had told me Leicester had been monitoring of when I'm going to be back fit. They'd seen enough in that warm up against Royalston to invite me for a trial when I was back fit. So um, when I got back fit, played the game or two and ended up going to Leicester on trial for a couple of weeks. Class. You mentioning that kind of happened to you a bit, Tomo, didn't it? With a scumfort move where you said Nigel Atkins had seen you in the warm up. Yeah, just in the warm-up of the MK Doms game. I think it just shows, doesn't it? You never know who's watching at any particular time. Exactly, and that's that's one bit of advice I say to the young lads now, or lads who basically don't try in the warm-up and mess around a little bit. It's like little when you look at it now, when you look at it now, the clubs are looking at the whole thing from how you present yourself in warm-ups to probably even to to cool downs or recoveries. Now that's that's how, how much football's moved on in it. And yeah. for them, as you say, back then in two thousand, two thousand and one, to say he's seen enough of me and a warm up, it's a bit mad, isn't it? Because like, yeah, it is, how many yeah. players have you trained with who who train unbelievable, then come a game and they can't cross the road? Do you know what I <laughs> mean? <laughs> and then you see lads probably like myself. I don't train. I think as I got older, I don't train full pelt because I try and used to hold myself back for game days. But yeah. If you looked at me and saying it, you go, oh, how's he still playing? But yeah, I go on a Saturday and it affects the game. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But you get that as you get a bit older as well, don't you? Because you know that it started to come in, didn't it, where you were always looking at your numbers, how far did you run, how quick were you going, all that kind of stuff. And, and it, it kind of played, I was the same. I used to play on my mind and I'd be like, oh, I'll just hold back a little bit now and just see if I can get a little bit more on a match day. Where some yeah, people, like thing- you say, are unbelievable. Monday to Friday, like you can't get anywhere near him. But then you put him in an environment on a football pitch with fans and opposition, and they shrink. And they don't know, they don't know what to do. And they go, in, they go in my shell, don't they? they go in your <laughs> shell. <maybe. laughs> no, they do it. It's That's... mad because I think the science part of the game has moved on an awful lot, especially as you're saying with stats, because you've got to reach certain amounts of spirit. Like even down here now, we're on the stats, and like I haven't been doing as enough as much running as others because I play in a certain position and they've gone off one of my games in pre-season and the stats that I did in that game. So now after games, even if I don't play or I come on for five minutes, there's other lads who have played, but yet they're doing more runs than me because it's position specific yeah. and stuff like that. It's nothing to do with my age. And they're like, well, he's not played. I've just played. How am I running today when we're off tomorrow? And they're like, well, that's the way it is on the, the computer and there's, there's the data now. Or the data, as I say. <laughs> the data. It's always the data, mate. It's always the data, not the data. The data, they call it down here. Do you know what I mean? But that's that's all it is. This football's moved on. It's like you say, it's like, if I can save a bit on a, a training day and then give it me all on a Saturday, well, great. You, as you say, you've got lads who bomb around everywhere 
during the week to try and impress the manager, come to the game and they're like, Wildig used to be one of them, didn't he? So, oh, I'm knackered going into games. You're like, you just mm. done 10K on Thursday and you've done probably five yesterday. It's too much. Mm. But obviously, certain lads need to do certain things to try and impress to try and get a game, which is understandable. But at the same time, the man management needs to be better around it to look after your players. Yeah, constantly. No more so than now, mate, when you're playing games. Well, seems to be all the time now, doesn't it? Midweek games yeah. with everything that's going on. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Like we've played Saturday, Tuesday now for the past two weeks, and we've still got it Saturday, Tuesday now up till the 14th or 15th of December, which is an awful lot. And that's that's like all these games without a proper pre season behind you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and they're traveling. Are you traveling a lot as well? So you come to see the kids and that. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm up. I'm home twice a week. I'll go home midweek after the training, and then I'm home after the games on a Saturday. So you put all that mileage in, and then sometimes I'll be uh, late in audience away a couple of weeks ago, and I end up saying, "Well, can I drive to late in audience so I can get home quicker?" <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> I've done a three-hour journey here, then a two-hour journey to to late in audience to try and to to prepare myself because they went on the day. You see, and I don't like traveling on the day. It's like two two hours fifty or something. It was from here. Yeah. So I travelled down on the morning, trained, and then said to the gaffer, can I meet there? And he's like, what do you mean, meet there? And he said, you're living in Newport. I said, no, but I'll go and get an hotel and stay over because even though I, went, I knew I weren't starting, I wanted to be prepared mentally and physically the best I could for the game. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Preparation is key, I think. Yeah, especially definitely. For, especially, plays, especially for us older guys, mate. Yeah, it plays a massive part in you, mate. You've got to look after yourself as you get a bit older, haven't you? Mm. Of course you have, mate. Of course you have, mate. So going back to the Leicester, you got you got your move to Leicester, right? Is that right? Yes. And you find yourself coming on in the Premier League, is that right? Yeah. Made me debut. It's um, a bit surreal, really, mate. But as you say, going back to Leicester, and obviously I went on trial, it was every day was like pre-season, mate. It was like training high tempo and... Where did say I've been out for five months just before that with my knee injury. Um, me coming back there, I probably wasn't fit. I wasn't match fit, really. And then I've got into an environment with the likes of Muzzi, um, is it? Robbie Savage, Roberto Mancini. Do you know what I mean? And you're looking at these wow. and like I'm train, training with these daily. And I found it hard. It was ice baths every day after training. And then after a couple of weeks, played a few resi games. Um, got told I'm in the squad and I'm travelling. I was... Literally packing my car because I normally go home. I used to go home on the Friday and then pick my dad up and bring come back Saturday for the game if I went in the squad to watch it. And um, I was about to go home on the Friday. He's like, Where are you going? I was like, Going home. He's like, No, you, you're traveling tomorrow. I was like, Well, I haven't seen it. He went, You got to look on the board in there because obviously I didn't know they used to put a board up with all the names of who's traveling that. And um, there it was on the, on the sheets to travel. So I ended up travelling up to Manchester and um, being making my first substitute appearance in the Premier League at Man United in sixty-seven thousand, which was a bit a bit mad. Really, I've been playing in front of crowds of a couple of hundred and that, and then who was in that United team? Kev? Um, gone there and maybe football league debut. Who who was in that it United team? Skulls, Skulls, Yapstam. Sylvester, I always um, who scored? She who scored? Sheringham, York score. Um, there was the, it was like 
it was like the European Cup winners, you know what I mean? It was exactly. it was the proper Man United. It wasn't yeah. Man United of 2020, 2021. <laughs> it was Man United of like <laughs> we Man United. You know what I mean? The only one that didn't, I don't think Beckham never played because I think it was around the time when he had that incident with um, Alex Ferguson. He got it with the boot in the eye. Because uh, yeah. I'll always remember it because when obviously after the game, I went home buzzing. I had a little night out with the mates and I was looking for the papers the next day to see if I could get any pictures. And the next day there's a picture of me and Yapstam and everyone says that we look so alike and stuff <laughs> like that. But I think I'm better looking and my nose is a bit bigger, you know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> It was, it was in the papers the next day. It was like it was when Beckham and um, Jordan and um, Posh Spice were having them arguments in the players' lounge about that song, "Who Let the Dogs Out," or something they were singing to it or something. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it always sticks in me head because obviously that day I played, and when I got the papers the next day, open for the picture, it was it was the players' wives who made the headlines, and not me. I guess it. Yeah, but in your own mind, mate, you've you've made your own headline with your own because. I must admit, I've had a, I've had a, I've had a good career and, and one that I'm happy with, you know, I'm proud of. But always eluding me that Premiership appearance. So yeah, hats off, hats off to you, mate. And do you know what I mean? And like that must be. Does that? There's certain things that give me a, um, like a drive, and like you're saying, when you get released from somewhere, and then something happens that makes you go, I don't want to let this go. I want to be a professional footballer. I need to work as hard as I can, live my life that revolves around being a professional footballer. Was that that moment for you? Or was it, have you always had that kind of inner drive as, no, you know, I think, as what you want to do? As you say, no one could take that appearance away from me, whether it was like obviously six minutes, 11 minutes in total. It's like, it's when you grow up, you want to be a footballer. And for me to make it and then be on match of the day, when I've sat there on match of the day on a Saturday night in the house as a full kit, do you know what I mean? Full kit on a footballer at my feet and watching it on a Saturday night and then there they am on it. It's like something, as you say, it's what dreams are made of, especially when um, so many people have questioned me and doubted me in a way. Yeah. If you get me, and it wasn't like, I've made it now, proves all you're wrong. It was, I've proved myself right that I was good enough and by not giving up, I got the chance, if you get me. Yeah, yeah. So, when I look back now, I just, I don't live with regrets because I think it's one thing you can't do. But there's, from what I've done later in my career to where I started, I used to, I think I was, when you look at it now and I've seen a thing in, in the papers and I heard the thing on the radio, like Declan Rice got homesick. He lived 15 minutes from his house. He got homesick. That's what he's saying was happening to him when he was coming through, I heard today. And then when I look at it now, I think, I lived with my mum and dad back at the time, like 1920, and it was a madhouse. And then I've gone to. Sorry? The 1920s? It's a long time ago, hasn't it? <laughs> Might be in 19 or 20. <laughs> so I look at it, and then it used to be a madhouse, and I've gone from there and everyone around me to being in Leicester and being on my own and basically hear the pins drop. And you know how, what I'm like as a person, I can't stand quietness, no, can I? Mate? It's like. No. So. When I look back now, I don't like. I used to come home on a Saturday after games, and used to go out with me mates. Obviously, back then I was with me kids' mum, and I used to be with her all day Sunday and eat rubbish foods. If you get me, I never used to eat pastas, never used to eat salads, never used to eat veg, and it used to be like takeaway Saturday night, takeaway Sunday, and then we'd play our month like on a Monday we play our resi games, 
and then I'd be out, but I'd be out drinking on a Saturday night two days before, and not realizing you get fined for that, can't you? Forty-eight hours before, if you're seen in a public public house type thing. But if I never thought, oh yeah, I've cracked it. I just never understood the whole situation or what you had to put into it to be the best you can. If you get me. Yeah. So after then, it was like, um, after that, I started opening my eyes a little bit and watching what other people do and how they went about their daily things and what they were eating and started trying to get me, my lifestyle, should I say. Not that I was a, I loved me ale or not. And I just enjoyed it because I'd lived away from my mates and I'd go back home on a Saturday night and they'd all be going out and I'd not seen them all week. So I'd go out and have a few smear off ice, do you know what I mean? Back then, but that's what it was. Blue um, Blue WKDs, yeah. <laughs> so um, I just wish I'd eat better and looked after myself when I was younger, just to see where I could have really got to, if you get me, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, mate. But then from there, though, you were, what, Chester, Hull, Tranmere? Yeah, Back I to went Chester, to... Rotherham, Bradford. They're some big clubs, aren't they? That you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, I've been around the block, haven't I? Seen a few clubs, seen a few managers off. <laughs> no, but that would have been what? Championship, League One, League Two. Did you did you go down to, as far as League Two and then go back up, or how did you do it? Did you? No, I went from yeah, basically yeah. I went from Leicester to Stockport, who were in the old Division One, which is now yeah. the Championship. Right. Played it a season there. They got relegated. Stayed. So I was there for three or four years. Left there, went to Chester, who were then in League Two. Went to, from Chester to Hull, who just basically got the new KC Stadium and were riding high in League One. And um, we joined them in the January and jumped on their promotion and got got a promotion there to the Championship. Um, was at Hull for a couple of seasons, played... Not in the squads the first couple of games when we got promoted to the championship because we signed the so-called better players. Um, yep. Went in the squads for the first few games. Then all of a sudden, found myself playing on the right wing and played 26 starts in the championship that season, I think it was. Scored only one goal against Antti and Amy at Saint, Saint, yeah, um, Southampton. Yeah, Southampton back then. That was my claim to fame in that level. The black, um, he was blonde-haired, wasn't he? The, am I yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah proper, proper blonde hair, yeah. So, um, left there, Scunthorpe offered money for me, but I had a little one at the time and I wanted to move back home. I, I think when I look back now and I understand myself a bit more, I think I was homesick, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think I couldn't really cope with living away from home. I think I didn't perform my best for whatever reason when I, I was always away from home. So, I left there. Obviously, with a few options, I ended up signing for Tramia, who was literally back on my doorstep. On your doorstep, yeah. So it was ideal just to get back home, especially with having a youngin, a little a little one back then who was suffering with colic and reflux. So the ex was up the wall with them, and I, that's how I lost all my hair. I had a full set of hair before the baby, do you know what I mean? Charlie. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> no, but it must have been good for you to come back home because I was like, towards the end when I came back to Morecambe, I was like, yeah, it's nice to be able to come back and 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 like look after myself the way you looked after yourself, but still be able to do it from the comfort of not travelling. Because travelling takes it out of you, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, I I honestly think it does. And I used to travel even like me Rotherham the latter years and me Rod like the latter months should I say me Rotherham. 
I was traveling over over Woodhead every day from Liverpool to Sheffield. Oh, and nightmare only because I was in and out the team and I knew the manager weren't having me. So it was only a matter of time. So I just thought, well, I'll pack up and I'll just travel in daily. Do you know what I mean? That's the way it yeah, comes yeah. because that's the way it made me feel at the football club. So it does take it out of you, the travelling. And as you say, when you are at home, like more of them was an hour and 10 minutes of that from mine. And you're around everyone who means something to you. Um, you see your friends and it's just, you, you're back in your comfort zone in a way, aren't you? Because you, you're travelling to, to work, but yet you can come home straight away, an hour away. So it's perfect locations. Yeah, perfect, mate. Like you're saying, like, then, then you're back and signed up Morecambe. Yeah, it was that was another thing. I was on my B licence in Kirsten Ashton, obviously, what, oh, yeah, 2011. Yeah. And I got a few phone calls while, obviously, I'm doing my coaching and out, outside, come inside on dinner time and seeing a few calls. And I'm like, who's this? Listen to one voicemail. And it was um, it was Jim Bentley. And I was like, yeah, good one. As if this is real, do you know what I mean? It was only like three months before that. That we had each other around the throat at the Don Valley, Rotherham versus Morecambe. Yeah. And he's <laughs> he's calling me all kinds, and I'm calling him all kinds. And then we had a bit of banter between I had lads at Morecambe who I knew, and then we were WhatsApping each other, and they were saying like Jim's gonna kill you, he's gonna do this. And I was like, go and tell him, I'll pull his head, I'll pull his head off the shoulders. To make happy <laughs> and that, you know what I mean? It's like that's what was happening. Then so I rang it back, and he's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, good one. So I put it down, not thinking it was him, and then. Obviously, the phone went again after the home time at three o'clock or something, four o'clock when we finished the course that day. Um, so it was, I rang it back and it was, it was Jim. I had to give me, he said, Listen, Kev, he said, um, I've just recently took over from Sammy. Um, would you be interested in coming to have a chat? I want to make you, I want to make you sign in. Like, and I was like, Well, yes, sign. So, um, I think that was the Thursday. And then on the Saturday, him and Ken McKenna came round to my house and we had the coffee and had a chat, and in the end, they ended up signing for them. Brilliant, mate. Is that we without even going to the club or trial or whatever? It was just kind of off knowing what you are as a player. You signed. Yeah, I think he yeah. he he liked what I was about. Obviously, he probably got questioned because I was thirty-one. I think at the time, thirty-two, yeah. near enough, and um. He's probably got questioned by the board and by fans of why you're signing someone at that age. Because, you know, in football, when you're seen as 30 plus, you're seen as like, you're ready for the knackers yard, you're a dinosaur, do you know what I mean? Mm. But um, as I say, I've paid them, I'd like to think I've paid them back um, their fate to show oh, more than, me. Because more than definitely, mate. More than definitely. I think um, for the what's eight seasons I was there, I think for five of them, I think I finished leading scorer. And for my first season, I think I got. Kept doing a job, didn't you? Well, <laughs> six, six, six seasons out of nine, but I don't tell him that. <laughs> no, you told him every Saturday after you scored. <laughs> oh, brilliant! <mate. laughs> that was it. But, um, yeah, it was. It was as you say. He he he'd come across me and played against me, but um, for him to come and put his faith in me as his first signing. Um, I've got a lot of respect for him because he gave me a chance when probably others thought I was finished. And as I say, I'd like to think I paid him back over the years that he, he backed me. So you, you well, obviously played in some like... 250 plus appearances, mate. I'd say you more, you more than more than did that. 
you've played obviously for a lot of managers by this point. Was he someone obviously a scout as well? Was he someone who was like a father figure as well? Did he look after you that way? Yeah, I think as see people when I look back now at coaching, and I think Peter Taylor signed me at Leicester from non-league, and then he signed me further down the line. He tried to sign me to go to Wickham when I was at Chester, and I wasn't having it. I wasn't going down south with all them cockneys, not for me. Um, <laughs> and then you got sucked into it, didn't you? Hey, that's the old yeah, massively, massively sucked in <laughs> And then I'm not, I'm not a scout, though. <laughs> he signed me for Bradford, Peter Taylor. So when I look at it. Um, Coaching-wise, I think Peter Taylor was my best coach. Yeah. Like, not manager, because I think his man-management was a bit, bit intimidating, if you get me. And Well, he did it at the top level, didn't he? Managed yeah, England, well, didn't he? you look at it when he signed me, and I always take it and I have a laugh with lads, because he gave David Beckham his captaincy. Suspe- exactly, Do you yeah. know what I mean? So he's not got a bad choice of players, has he, when he signed me? Beckham <laughs> <laughs> I'm just be- I'm better looking than Beckham, though, I think, aren't I? Just in the, just in the in the dark, mate. <laughs> then I think I think Jim is probably one of the better man managers. Yeah. Knowing how to get the best out of you. People say, well, he didn't take much coaching or this coaching and them sessions was weren't the best. But yeah, when I look at it now, I think his man management of how he managed me. Um, being older, he obviously looked after us on a Mondays, didn't he? Tom, oh, I didn't have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't have to go on the Astro turf, which probably. If it did for the first couple of seasons, I definitely wouldn't be playing now because I probably have um, two hip replacements, which is probably one's pending. As we so thought. they won't. <laughs> say, so they won't. <laughs> no, but I always got that feeling. Even like before games and that, he had that kind of personal side with you, didn't he? Where he would like come in and have a bit of a laugh with the lads and that. But when you knew he was upset, you know he, he was upset. Do you know what I mean? He, he, he you know ran the right act kind of thing. And yeah, definitely. I think you had that. He always got you up for a game, didn't he? Yeah, he's kind of fear factor about him. And as you say, when his man manager when he used to come in and have a laugh and a joke about COD and what you've been up to, this and that, he, he knew more of you as a person, not just as a footballer. Do you know what I mean? And as you say, you still had a bit of fear for him, but that'd make you want to run through a brick wall for him more. Mm. And as you say, it's like he did know when to lose the plot. And he, not that he lost it that many times. And I've seen him punch doors and punch walls, skips and break massage beds with his big big fist, you know what I mean? But it, it was, he, he he knew how to balance it out, which yeah. I think moving forward in this day and age, if you want to be a manager or a coach, I think the man management part of, of a football club is massive. I think to understand and know how to get the best out of your players as human beings, not just mm. as footballers, if you get me. Well, he stayed in through some horrible times, didn't he? You know, like with uh, you were part of it there with, with the... Uh... You know, not getting paid, and he kind of managed the expectations of the whole club from the right from the top to you know, fans, people around the ground, expectation levels. There were always odds on favourites to go down every single year, Morecambe, weren't there? And I think all that was down to he galvanised everybody together. You know, he yeah. he cared he cared about every single person, he knew everybody by name. Um, you know, he showed that time he got he got fined. Did he get fined? And the fans paid it off. Yeah, the all just raw, raw emotion from him, and, and that's what I, I was lucky enough to play with him as well. But it was a little bit, you know, I got a chance to play with him and then you know play for him, kind of thing. But and yeah, it was just his raw emotion. It was always his heart was on his sleeve. He, he, he said what he thought, and I think that's what everyone bought into, didn't they? And yeah, I think 
and I think that goes a long way, especially if you're a player. If he tells you you've been rubbish or you're not playing mm. today, he tells you how it is. You'd accept that and you respect him for his decisions. But as you say, he knew everybody around the football club. He he got us all in the same boat and rowing the same way, didn't he? We're mm. not just saying it now, but the last the, the manager there now, I don't think it's like that. I think he isolates himself from members of staff and doesn't want to be around. Where, as you say, Morgan was always that friendly family club. Had that feel about it that yeah, yeah. Bell even down to Bell who served as our food. She was part of our team. That's the yeah, way she we was. We had we had it we had it as part of our team because we were we were all in the same boat. So we wanted the best for the football club, and to get the best for the football club, everybody's got to be respected. Everybody's got to be all in it together. Hundred percent. And yeah. I think I think Jim did that, and as you say, he galvanised everyone to the supporters. I know some of them lost their heads with them towards the end, but you got to realise that as you say, what he did, he went through near enough administration. Where if there was no money there, we weren't getting paid. And stuff like that. And yeah, Jim, I used to speak to him. I was like, obviously, because I want to go into coaching and managing. He's like, Kev, you don't understand. It's not just managing. You've got a training grounds, players. You've got other stuff upstairs happening that they're ringing you before you go to training. He said, it's a lot more than just being a manager of 11 lads. Like, it's there's more yeah. to it. He said, it's hard work. And when you look at it and you sit back now and think what he actually went through there at the football club, I think it's, unjust towards the end of how some people actually turned on him, in a mm. way. Mm. I mean, but it's easy for people to do that, isn't it? Like you say, when they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, I remember sometimes he'd go, you actually haven't got anywhere to train. You can't train anywhere. It was like, it was like we'll, just go, we'll have to go to the gym today. Do you know what I mean? It was like them kind of things where the training ground just gets pulled from <coughs> under your feet. And it doesn't matter what, how much preparation goes into it. If you have that pulled away from you, it's, it's hard work, isn't it? Yeah, hard, definitely. Hard as you say, we was turning up some days and didn't know where we train. Or you go to go down to Morgamai and it'd be flooded. Mm. Do you know? What I mean? And it's like, well, what are we gonna do? And as you say, like we're staying in the gym today. I need try and blend it. I go, oh, we'll have a second day recovery. And some of the lads are buying into that, but the older lads knew it's obviously you've been there for nowhere a bit. To train. <laughs> There's nowhere to train. That's what it yeah. boiled down to. It was. It was. Super. How did you? How did you enjoy your your taste of it, Kev? When um... Was it the one game, two games you were? Two games, yeah. Two games, you and Baz. <coughs> it was good. I didn't really... I remember getting the phone call off Rod on the Sunday after, obviously, Jim, the gaffer, left and he asked me would I take over and I was like, Rod, I'll help you out, but you know what this means for me? He's like, what? I said, well, if someone comes in, this is going to backfire against me. He's like, no, we'll, we'll tell them we'll just ask you and all that. I said, Rod, I'll do it. Because I want to, and I'm coming to the end. But if this was a couple of years beforehand, I'd tell you no. I said, because I know the situation. This isn't going to end good for me. I said, because a new manager's going to come in and see me as a threat. He's like, no, no. So lo and behold, I took the, so obviously me and Baz took it. We got our first home league win of the season. And I think it was like late October against yeah. Leighton Orient. And then we took our second game, which is against Blackpool, who were in the league above us in the FA Cup. It's a bit of a derby. We weren't expected to win. And um, when you look at it now, Derek Adams was appointed in between and he, he was upstairs in the Blackpool game, obviously watching the game. And um, I really enjoyed it, if I'm honest. It was a lonely place because I had to leave the car school. I had to leave a WhatsApp group. Um, and I had Baz ringing me every day, which Tom will tell you, if you speak to Baz, 
two minutes with Baz is enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, pulling, um, your, pulling your hair out, Kev. Exactly. And I did enjoy it and it was a good experience. And now I'm actually glad I did take it because, as you say, I might never become a football league manager, but yet I've had a chance of doing it. And mm. I got three points for the football club, which, yeah. Um, them three points, if you took off them towards the end of the season with what was going on with the um, the lockdown and the points per games, they're a massive three points for the football club and where they are today. It's interesting. So I've obviously never been in the football league environment, but so when you go in as like, so you must have seen before a caretaker manager, if they go in, as a player manager or whatever, are they kind of thought of badly then by the new manager that comes in? Because that obviously happened with you and uh, Derek Adams, but is it something you'd seen before? I'd, I'd seen at other clubs where players have took over and stepped in and then all of a sudden, when the new manager comes in, uh, like they push them aside. Yeah. And they say, they say it's obviously because they're bringing their staff in and this and that, but it's not. I, I, I know from me being who I was at the football club, and that's not an ego thing. I just, I was seen as a threat at the football club. If he'd have said to me, as I say, listen, I'm not having you as a footballer, I'd have walked away, hold my hands up, because every manager's different. They all have their opinions on players, and you get managers that like you, you get managers that don't. That's football. Yeah. Fans do that. So if he'd have said to me, listen, I'm not having you as a footballer, go and find yourself a club. I'd have gone in January. But then for him to try and treat me the way he did, and then tell me like football clubs weren't ringing up to try and get me on loan and see what my situation was until I went and confronted them. Um, and then he tried to deny it till I actually said names. And then he was like, oh, sorry, I didn't know. They said they're coming back with some wages. And I was like, well, why didn't you just tell me then? Do you know what I mean? This is the situation. So in the end, he retired Baz. Whether Baz says it or not, he retired Baz. Basically retired Baz, which I think Baz was still one of the better goalkeepers in League Two. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So, well, that Coventry game summed that up, didn't it? At the end of that season, where he was like, yeah, well, that's what I mean. He kept the saves, then kept he got the point that we needed, and it was down. That game was down to him. He was unbelievable, but I think he retired Baz, and I think he tried to, in a way, end my football career for whatever reason. Because I never fell out with him. I never had any nasty words with him. I spoke to him twice. That was one of the first day we met him. And then on transfer deadline day, when I asked him why he hadn't told me clubs had been interested in bringing up for me, that was the only conversations he ever had with him. And he chased me out. <laughs> Get out! That was well, you, can, you, can, you can remind him that, mate, when you go and score against him, Katty. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed, the gods above, and I'm, I'm over there with my top off, mate. <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> Story, stories are written, aren't they, mate? Stories are written, so you just got to go and write that final chapter, haven't you? Of that yeah, scenario, it, I'm not saying your final chapter is in football, obviously. Uh, mate, love love talking to you and catching up with you. We've just got, um, if you don't mind, just a couple of minutes. We've just got a couple of questions off some of our kids. Um, yeah. If you don't mind, just running through these quickly. We won't keep you too long, so I know you've got to go. Go on, no worries, mate. Um, so we've got one off uh, Oliver Parr. And he's put, um, what else could you advise to become a professional football footballer other than hard work and having a good attitude? Hello, Oliver. Yeah, um, you alluded to it before, didn't you, I think? Yeah, I think one of them, obviously, with your hard work and obviously your dedication, I think practice, continuous practice. I know, is it Oliver, isn't he? Yeah, Oliver. Yeah. 
I know Oliver, you, won't prob- yeah. you probably won't. I know it, this is his question. You probably won't learn much off Tomo, but um, <laughs> Sean's probably got a bit. I've seen a bit of Sean on the thing, but um, I think practice <laughs> continues. Continue to practice and don't let anyone tell you you're not good enough to do anything. Because if you want it, it's there for you. I honestly believe that whether you get a knockback or a setback, whatever it may be, I think if you if you really got your heart set on it, and as you said, without the, the hard work and the dedication, I think if you continue to practice um, to become better, I think goes a long, long way. Yeah. Good answer, good answer mate. Good question. Good do you want me to do, do next, next one, one Yeah, go on, mate. So, there's, uh, from Johnny Swallow, who, it's a good question, he's a Yeovil fan, so if, he wants to know why you always scored the winner against him, but, uh, against them. But he also, at the start of it, he says, what keeps you motivated? And, and why? The thing that keeps me motivated is... Just trying to prove to myself, not to prove to others. I know I put out there that I've proved others when I score, but to prove to myself that I still, I can still do it because I still feel good. But when I feel good, it's all I say. I feel good, and I'm this and that. You still got to go and do it on the pitch. So I feel like I can still impact games, and um, so that's a bit of my motivation. And the other motivation is my two kids. Yeah, my two other two kids are my motivation. They're the ones. They're the ones who give me the papers and get up daily. And I never had, a, like, I wouldn't say a bad upbringing, but I never had as much as what some of the other kids did. So I, my kids motivate me and all what I do is for them too. And to give them a better life moving forward. And yeah. whether I walk around in Tomo's gear or they have designer gear on, I'd rather have my kids, my kids in the good <laughs> stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> Mate, you just like you're 21. I've got to st- that's how I stay young. That's how I still play. <laughs> is your, is your lad like still 21. playing? Is your lad that's still like playing, Kev? Yeah, he still plays a bit of football. He plays like um, Saturday and Sunday for his, his mates now because um, I didn't really push him. He was at Burnley when he signed two years at Burnley a couple of years ago when I, and I didn't push him into it. And he, he come home one day just crying said he didn't like it. And I think yeah. he, he'd gone from a big fish in a little pond to the little fish in a big pond there and it took all his social life away from him his computer and his going out with his mates and such so he come home one day and just burst out crying and said dad I don't want to go and I think he felt pressured for a couple of weeks because I could sense it in the way he was playing he wasn't himself and yeah. I think that that's massive for the parents if they're listening don't push your kids just let them play with a smile on the face let them enjoy it No, I know I- you all want to go and push your kids to be the next Rooney the next this and that but if, they, if they're good enough they'll make it but the main thing about playing football for the kids is playing with a smile on your face, playing with your friends and enjoying it. Yeah. That's the big thing. We, we well, I've got um, three, three boys myself. Louis, the oldest one, he, he, he I can see kind of, although we run the academy, he always wants to do well and kind of idolises what I do. But I just said to him, like, you're right, play with a smile on your face. And if he turned around to me and said, I don't want to play football, as long as he's happy, that's that's as a parent. That's what you want in it. And, and, and yeah, hundred you know. percent, mate. And I I I found that with me little lad, and I know what football's like, and the rejections, and the knockbacks, the setbacks, and how how I, in a not in because obviously the kids are going to listen to this, not in a bad way, but football, it's a tough environment, and for to make it 
it's exceptional to you got to be exceptional you got to be one of them kids so um it can be done it's proven but i think for as a parent just seeing your kids smile and enjoy playing football i'd rather my lad go and score three or four goals on a weekend with his mates than go and play for Burnley at the time when he was a shadow of himself and he weren't the same person as a kid but mm. i think that become i didn't put pressure on him when he left there, my mum was like, oh, you, you're taking him away from Premier League coaching. What are you doing? You've got to push him. I used to push you. It's like football's changed now, mum. He's not a happy. I'd rather him be a happy kid than go and play football and be grumpy like a teenager he is now. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? Than yeah. not be himself. I'd rather him be happy and not play football. And I think that's a massive thing for kids and parents. There's so many pushy parents now. In I understand they want the best for the kids and they, maybe they say they should be, they should be there, but... Just let your kid play and enjoy and play with a smile on his face. And there's so many different there's so many different levels to what can play. As in, like obviously it's a professional game, but there's a semi-professional game. I've played against your brother uh, when he's been at, at, at Ramsbottom. Um he actually scored the winning goal, the last kick of the game a couple of years ago, which I still haven't forgiven him for. Uh, but there's he learnt, there's he that side of it. Is what? He learnt off me. <laughs> yeah. So there's that there's that side and, and and I kind of did it. Whereas you kind of go back into that environment where you're with your mates, you enjoy it again, and then you can start building up the ladder again. It, it like you say, there's that many setbacks and different ways. Yeah, that, yeah, Sean, as you say, there is so many setbacks, and that doesn't mean because you don't make it at a professional football club at 16 and go and do a scholar that you can't play. I went and worked on a building site. I was a delivery driver for a year, and then I turned pro at a Premier League club at Leicester City. Yeah. That's when people were telling me I'm not good enough and that. So, um, as you say, going back to that, you can go and play. And it's not about money for me because I've took pay cuts after pay cuts year after year to still play because I love the game. But some people play for money and if you play for money, you can go and play part-time, non-league. You can get good mm. monies. You're probably lads in playing non-league, part-time football now with a job and getting wages there that are probably on more than what I'm on and more than some of the lads here. Yeah. And that's the way it is. But as you say, it's like, you've still got to be enjoying it. There's got to be a purpose to it. It's like, I actually still love getting up in the morning, going to training. I love being the mm. kids and messing around. I actually still love football. And that's what, I've got a passion for it. I've got drive, determination still at 41. Because I love it. Age is mm. just a number. Isn't it? That's it, mate. <laughs> Just a couple more questions, Kev. This is a great, I think this is a great question. Um, it's from Luke Lightfoot. And he's put, um, like to ask Kev about when he suffered personal problems off the pitch, how he managed to shut that out and perform to a high level on the pitch. I think that's a great question from a, from a, from a lad yeah. so young. Who's is that? Luke, is it? Luke yeah. Lightfoot, yeah. Luke, yeah. So I know you've had, I, know, I obviously know you've, you've had, you know, obviously yeah, you lost your mum. I and... think the biggest one for me is I seen it as my medication in a way. I seen it as like, that was my, my get out. That was my downtime in a way. If you get me an home running around the football pitch and chasing you and doing this in training or whatever. But I seen it as my relief. If you get me walking over and stepping over that white line on a Tuesday night, training days, and on a Saturday afternoon. That was my medication, in a way, of me me forgetting about my troubles and me personal stuff that was going on and that. And I found football was a relief. And that's why 
when I look at it now, um, you look at ex-pros and where they're at when they've gone through bad times and some of them are in sticky places and that was one place I didn't want to go and why I probably reached out. Not as soon as I should have, don't get me wrong. It's, I never spoke out in fear of getting judged in that for years and years, but if I knew now, as I say about speaking out and how easy it is and the weight it took off my shoulders, I'd have done it a long time ago. And yeah. um, regarding that half, it was, I spoke out as well because you see footballers and stuff who go on drugs, gambling, drinking, that way I want to go because I've got two kids and I didn't want to see them seeing me go down that route. So, as I say, I have to speak out and go and get a bit of help because when it does come to the end, I'm in a, the, the hour where it does come, I'm in a better place to deal with it. And as I say, football has been my medication over the last few years getting through that. So, I might have to find another bit of medication when football does come to an end to to keep me ticking over and keep keep that dark cloud away from me. Yeah. Well that's what I that's what I thought. When I was coming, I knew I was going to get my fulfillment from the academy. You know, giving young footballers in our area the opportunity and pass on my experiences and all that kind of stuff. And that's what that's what made me come to terms with retiring easier. You know what I mean? Rather than it just stopping yeah. and you're going, right, what am I going to do now? Yeah, so I mean, you've found a purpose, haven't you? Which mm. I don't think many players have clued into find a purpose that gives you the same buzz. Mm. And like, I've recently done, finished the counselling course, which I've got a little bit of purpose. I want to stay in football and give give stuff back, back to football that it's given me, but it's not that easy, especially in the current climate with the COVID. Yeah, Finance-wise, yeah. it's, it's not going to be there. So I've literally, in January, picked a pen up for the first time since I copied my mate's own way back in school and completed a level two in counselling. So I've got a passion for that because I want to, if I don't stay in football or even if I can around football, I want to help people. I want to help people not be in a situation that I find myself in. I want to let people know that it's okay to have feelings and mixed emotions and yeah, being a man especially, it's okay to cry if you get me in a way. So I want to, I want to get back in that 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 route, and I've got a passion for that as well. So hopefully, I can continue in football alongside helping young lads who will suffer or young girls who will suffer, not just in football but in everyday life because it will happen. Of course, of course, mate. Great purpose, anyway. Like you say, it's just phenomenal what you're doing, and like I say, being being around you, I know what I know what you like as a character and all that kind of stuff. So. I think it's I think it's brilliant that you want to you want to go back in and help people. I think it's I think it's great. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant, mate. First class. Um, First class. Couple of questions left, mate. Um who's the best player you've played against? And who's the best player you played with or favourite teammate? And you don't have to say me just because I'm sat here, mate. No, I know. I was gonna say I'd say you, but then no. Um, <laughs> best player I played against was probably when I look at it, I played regular that season. Um, played against them three times overall. It was Jolene Lescott when he was at Wolves in the Championship. He was unbelievable, mate. Seriously, it's like... He was like, when you watch the telly, you watch Van Dyke now, where he doesn't break a sweat. He looks like... Just, different, just, di- yeah. just different levels. Just totally different levels, mate. And he was a kid then, do you know what I mean? He was like... He was unbelievable, mate. 
And I tried to kick him, I tried to leave one on him, I tried to elbow him, and he just didn't even nibble at me back. And he was just Ooh. literally in first gear, mate. Didn't didn't even get a sweat on in the game, honest. It was a joke. So uh, I'd say, look, Jolene Lescott's the best I've played against. The best with... Um, I'd, Nick Barnby, probably, for the younger generation. Nick Barnby played for England, Tottenham, Everton, Liverpool. Um, played in the England 5-1, winning against Germany. Yeah. I think yeah. him, not just because... When I when I was with him, I, I look at it now when I was thinking I was 25, 26 when I played with him. And he must have been 34. And I, so I was thinking like he was an old man. But I'm sat here 41 now. And I'd snap your hands off to be 34 again. You know what I mean? But yeah. um, I'd say him because how professional he was. He was unbelievably technically gifted. But his work rate and everything, every day in training, he was unbelievable, mate. Seriously, he wouldn't moan. Like an old, like some of the old lads moan about him and stuff. He'd be, he'd give us all. He's, a, he's the ultimate pro, if you get me. So Nick Barnby's probably the, one of the best I've played with. Unbelievable, that, mate. See, other people, when I look at it, I'd say like Robbie Savage, Muzzy Is It, Roberto Mancini. Obviously, the younger lads will know him like as manager Man City, but he was an yeah, unbelievable yeah. player. But I didn't get to play with him regularly, if you get me. So I don't count that. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. people always ask me, and they go, Oh, what about him at Leicester? I was like, Yeah, but I didn't really feel part of it there. Do you know what I mean? So I always see that as like that was just me stepping stone of me going to on to play against the best and play with likes of Nick Barnby. Brilliant. Um, I've just I've, actually, I've, sorry, I've just I've missed one, so we'll, we'll end on this one. Um, obviously, we try to give our boys opportunities. You know, we play against the likes of Morecambe Academies, Preston's, you know, Carlisle's. Likes of these academies, and um, a question from one of our one of our boys, Elliot Lanway. He said, um, "Obviously, you've already answered. What age did you get into the academy? You're around sort of nine or ten, weren't you?" Yeah. Um, and he's put, um, "What assets did you have to show? Did you think to get into that academy?" See, I think back then, it's football changes, doesn't it? Tomorrow, if you're playing the football league, and that you'll see some one year it'll be like, oh. We're all playing out this year and we've got the technical players. And then the next year it'll be, oh, I want the big, strong, powerful lads like myself. That's probably why I'm still playing. <laughs> I, wouldn't say power, I wouldn't say powerful, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, regarding that, I think it's, it's best having a, a mixture of both. And that it comes to what I was saying before about practicing. So, yeah, do all your CV stuff. Stuff like that, get your, your lungs, your legs going, be as fit as you can, but also master the ball, especially obviously at your academy. I think, me personally, I'm not just saying because I'm on here, but I think being at like one of your academies where you get the chance to go and play against the professional clubs, I think you're better being in that situation than being at one of the pro clubs at that age, at like nines, tens, elevens, if you get me. I honestly believe that because... Going to the likes of use, it'll be in an environment where they're still going to be with their friends. You've got coaches who have qualified, played professionally, and obviously with your own background of playing a bit of non-league, you'll have the thing of still being a a, a matey coach in a way, if you get me, that you'll you'll bother with them where you go to the professional football clubs and they're more looking at like who they can just throw along the conveyor belt. They're not bothered about you as a person. And 
they're not bothered whether you come in and smile or not. They just want you to do it. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. you look at your academy and, as you say, they'll be there with your mates. So they'll be enjoying it as well as getting top coaching and learning the fundamentals of the football. Do you know what I mean? So mm. I think, touching on that with Elliot, I think it's a bit of, as I say, I still think, I push me little lads, don't push him, but I get him fit now. All I say to him is basically, when I go and watch him, run around, put a shift in for your mates. Because I know he's, I know technically he's probably one of the best who's not at the academy for his age. But yeah, it's no good being technically good if you're not wait, prepared to work hard for your teammates. Agreed, mate. Absolutely agreed. And that's like I say, that's a try. The environment we try to set our, our kids at is, you know, we want them to go on and become into, you know, go into academies and experience that kind of level. But it might not be for everybody. So we just want to give everybody the opportunity to get what we feel is like academy style coaching without the pressures of, like you say, being just a number or just a name or whatever. You know, it's just a, you know, we and want to give back, everybody the same opportunities. And they go back to the, the junior team, don't they, of a, of a weekend or whatever. So, it's class to see. Class to That's see. what I mean. And they're going back better prepared for the game at the weekends, Andy, because they're getting quality coaching. Yeah. Whereas someone says you can go to the you can go and be a number at a football, a pro football club and not not feel part of it and then not get no really game time because they want results where as you say back then, being a kid, being young, it's about playing and getting minutes and enjoying it and playing with a smile on your face and playing with your friends. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Right, mate, we won't take up any more of your time. Thank you so much for um, taking the time to speak to us. Uh, I know you've got a busy schedule and I know you want to chill out now and get yourself ready. Just going to sort you. me hair out for my game tomorrow now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just try, and sh- try and shave a bit off that beak, mate, if you can. Yeah. From- <laughs> FA, Cup, FA Cup tomorrow. Salford, mate, at home, yeah. Yeah. Good money incentive this year, isn't there, in, in the FA Cup? Well, it'd be better if you Maybe get a new pitch, there, wouldn't it? Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, hopefully that's just around the corner, mate, isn't it? Hopefully we can, you know, I don't know what Newport is in terms of tiers or whatever, but... Well, it's mad because these were these were out of lockdown two weeks before England went into it. Ah, because of Wales, aren't they, yeah? So there's no lockdown here, but I go home to Liverpool, I'm in lockdown. And then, because it's in Wales and these are Labour, these are Labour, basically, um, these have... These aren't allowed any fans in at home, but when we go and play away, we can. The fans are allowed in the away games, like London and that. But we're not allowed fans at home. But we're not. We're not in no lockdowns. We're not in no tears. Nope. Well, mate, like I say, thank you very much, mate. Inspiration, still going in the football league at forty-one. Um, yeah, I was. I was going to say that. Like, I think your legacy within football will continue for, and be looked at for a long time. But also, what you're doing off the pitch, mate got one of the biggest hearts I've ever seen so you know keep doing what you're doing and Cheers, thanks sure. for taking the time nice one I think, your Twitter, I think your Twitter's better than your, than your football at the minute though mate I'm loving your Twitter <laughs> <laughs> scored a win last week warming up with, warm with the rest of you mate mate love it absolutely love it well Kev um, thanks very much mate say hello to Charlie and Ava when you see them hopefully tomorrow I'm going to do a nice one mate alright and um, hopefully See you at some point if you when you play Morecambe, I'll try and get to the game and defo, mate. Defo. Nice right, to be on. Take care, Take mate. Care, Thank mate. you very nice much. Nice to be on, Tom. Nice to be on, Sean. Thanks Take very care, much. Take care, mate. Come on.
if I can help you out any other way, mate, or whatever, you know, moving forward, just give me, a, you got me number, lad, just give me a call and send oh, brilliant. Sort of out, mate. Yeah, really, no, really, really appreciate it, mate. Thank you very much. It's just no like, it's like it's just trying to speak, to, give the kids that insight into people's careers, you know. And, and Yeah, well, if you want to do um, further down the line when you get to see them and that, obviously, if you want to do like a QA and a on, on this with them there, it's like set up a Zoom with them all in, get me involved, lad, and I'll do it for the kids to speak to them, not a problem, mate. Oh, really? Yeah, they'd love that, mate, and, and we would as well. All yes, right, mate. I know what he's done. Maybe zoom out, though, if you can, because that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Top man, mate. Hey, I'm the only man who could... Hey, I'm the only man who could turn my phone off from this situation. <laughs> now, <laughs> Score the winner tomorrow. See you later, man. See you later. Right, Cheers, Kev. See you later, mate. Ta-da. See you later, Sean. Ta-da, mate. See you, mate. Ta-da.